This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. While we are on the subject of the environment, I'd like to revisit our Recycling 2.0 segment because the last time we had this, a lot of people still had questions. So it's getting harder and harder to figure out what is recyclable. The rules keep changing. One reason China, which takes the stuff, keeps tightening up the rules about what they will accept. And of course, the rules are different in every jurisdiction. So if you live in Toronto, it may be one thing. And if you're somewhere else, it may be another. And recently, I noticed an issue with coffee pods, coffee pods like this, uh, it turns out that nearly 40% of people have those machines that take these coffee pods. And that doesn't even include businesses like ours that go through a lot of them. Uh, I have a machine by a company called Nespresso at home. And here, okay, so online, first of all, on the subject of coffee pods, there's a discussion. You know, some people say, yes, they're recyclable. And then other people say, no, they are not. Okay, so here's what I got in the mail that, frankly, really annoyed me. So from Nespresso, I got this completely unrecyclable black plastic envelope thing. And inside the envelope was this red plastic bag with postage on, and it said, just put your used coffee pods in here and we will recycle them, Uh, which seemed uh, a little nutty to me, especially this part, and it inspired this segment. So uh, let me give the numbers out again, because we have some people who can answer the questions. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740, and I would like to welcome Joanne. St. Godard, the Executive Director for the Recycling Council of Ontario. And also we have Jim McKay, who is the uh, City of Toronto Solid Waste Management General Manager. Hi, welcome and thanks for joining us. Good afternoon, thank you for having us. Okay, coffee pods, are they recyclable? Jim? Uh, No. Uh, yes and no. It's a it's a rather complicated answer. First of all, there's multiple different types of coffee pods. Yep, I, I, I'm showing for those of you watching online. I hear I have another kind of coffee pod. This is the one we have at work. Go ahead. Yeah, and there's there's a bit of a debate and and push within the industry. Some are moving towards compostable pods. Some are moving towards plastic recyclable. Others, like Nespresso, as you mentioned, are moving towards an aluminum product. So. Depending on which type it is, the answer to that question can be different. This new arrangement that Nespresso has with Canada Post, they are recyclable through that program that they've established. Okay, but that's their own uh, program, which is why before I got this bag in the uh, egregiously non-recyclable little envelope, uh, I, I put them in the garbage, right? Right. 
In, in Toronto, they're not recyclable. None of them. Compostable, recyclable, Nespresso's product, none of them are accepted as recycling right now in the Toronto system. And what about this other kind of pod that I have here that looks very different? It doesn't seem to have any aluminum. The kind of bigger Keurig pod? Those, those larger plastic pods, we don't accept them in the, in the Toronto program. Technically, the plastic that they're made of, which is polypropylene, is a recyclable plastic. And that's why makers of those types of products are claiming that they are recyclable, is because of the type of plastic that they use. But there's a lot more to recycling than just the type of plastic. Okay, uh, let's bring Joanne in. Um, what, what do you make of all this confusion? <laughs> Well, I think to, to add on to Jim's point and, and something that you said in your introduction, um, it's not only that, you know, the rules are different from municipality to municipality or even province to province in some cases. I think what we're dealing with here is an ever-arranging array ch- uh, changes to packaging and products themselves. They're all becoming more complicated, and we just went through a simple uh, example of, of how different a coffee pod can be and what the options are for consumers. And so they're made up of different materials, they look different, they function different, and that's the same uh, as it relates to how they're dealt with, uh, you know, when the, when the customer is done with them. So it's not just about rule changing in terms of who's trying to collect and recycle these things. It's, it's the fact that the products themselves are, are very diverse and becoming more and more complicating. So would it be a better thing if we had uniformity in this? I, I guess it's impossible to legislate because, you know, they come from all different places. These Nespresso well, pods, I, don't, I mean, I don't even know where they're made. Not here. I wouldn't say, I mean, as a consumer, I certainly want choice, and I think most consumers would say that. But I think that what we want is for... In the producers and manufacturers and retailers who choose to sell them have to pay the cost, the real cost, of managing them at the end of their life when consumers are done with them. So you know, I, think, I think we all want choice. I think we want producers to innovate around packaging and product design. But at the end of the day, if you're going to make choices around, you know, you have to be informed as a producer and really understand the systems before you make choices in, in the design of, of, your, of your package and products. And then once you understand that, if you choose to go ahead and, and make something that truly isn't, can't be managed with the programs at hand, then you're going to have to pay that bill uh, because, in fact, there is a, 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 a disposal bill that will come along with that. So, and I don't think it's a question of choice, but I think we want, uh, you know, we want accountability. Uh, Jim, what would you say the most, confu- what, what items are people the most confused about and what items do you find in the recycling that should not be there? Well, we, so we actually just did a bunch of audits to try and answer that question. And the top three items that we find in the recycling right now that shouldn't be there are textiles. So we find a lot of clothing in the recycling that shouldn't go in there. We find a lot of food waste. And that can come from, you know, a jar that hasn't been fully emptied to people, uh, you know, some paper that's been heavily contaminated with food and or people just simply throwing food waste into the recycling for some reason, which ties to the third largest one is household garbage. Just plain old household garbage that people, you know, it's that white plastic bag that came from underneath the kitchen sink. They throw it all into the recycling. And just a minute, are, a plastic, kind of three. sorry, a plastic bag cannot be recycled? Well, a plastic bag can be, yes, but the ones full of garbage are the oh. problem. Oh, okay. So we're, we're, we're getting full bags of garbage in plastic bags thrown into the recycling right now. And if the plastic, does the plastic bag have to be 
pristinely clean, or if it has a little, I don't know, dust in it or whatever, is that all right? If it's got a little dust or something on it, that's fine. What we're trying to educate residents about is we don't want the plastic contaminated with food waste. Because if that if that yucky food waste gets onto the other recycling, it can damage all the other recycling as well. And paper is our biggest problem right now. Paper. If we get yeah. If food waste gets onto the paper, then the paper becomes garbage. You can't recycle it anymore. Okay. If I spill a little coffee on a piece of paper, I can't recycle it. Right now, the way the markets are, no. Okay. Okay. And uh, there are certain kinds of plastic. Before I get to the phones, that that I'm always confused about. Uh, you know, that kind of hard plastic, it feels like a coating or something. Is that recyclable? Uh, it really depends. Um, we've created the Waste Wizard. <laughs> yes, um, I know. So, which That's is a my great husband's little tool. job. It, it, depends on, it depends on what the plastic is, whether it's labeled with a resin coat or not, where it came from, what it was used for, all those different things. But if you, if you punch that into the Waste Wizard, you should be able to get an answer as to what it, what it is. Okay, I'm going to go to the phones. We've got Joyce in Scarborough. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Libby. Okay, this is for Mr. Mackay. Why have they not banned black plastic? Like um, Swiss Chalet, their containers have clear on top, black on the bottom. But guess what? They've got the recyclable uh, triangles. And when I phoned the city recycling... Uh, the girl didn't know what I was talking about, okay? Why, like, if you can make uh, white plastic forks and cutlery, why, uh, like, why do you have to make black? Okay, uh, Joanne, it's a very good question. I was holding up this plasticized envelope from Nespresso. Uh, there's uh, one grocery store gross- that that gives it, uh, gives black plastic bags and that's i think that's a really good question uh, shouldn't we just ban the black if it's not recyclable well i think uh you know banning is not always the answer to the question but i think you know the the the, the answer to sort of why it makes it, it uh, seems to me that perhaps maybe the the swiss chalet or whoever's choosing to use them maybe doesn't know much about the recycling system uh that may be a reason why they've gone ahead with something that's less recyclable than other plastics the other reason might be just money. Maybe that particular package is 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 a little bit cheaper uh, than than other clear options or white options, and they just they decide to go with that. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, pretty difficult for any government at any level to be outright banning uh, uh, items. Um, we we want to be able to incent or maybe even disincent certain uh, you know companies who are choosing this packaging. Uh, by not buying their goods. I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's what they're in the business to do, to sell you what it is that they want to sell you. And if you choose, if it's bothering you as a consumer, what I would say to your to your guest and anyone else who sort of wants to make an impact is don't rely on your government to be, um, you know, bringing these businesses in line solely. Certainly rules are important at government level, but just stop buying the product. And I'm pretty sure in pretty quick order, if we've, if we've got a, you know, majority of people that respond that way, that, that they're going to stop putting it on the market or find replacements. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, I think it, I, I have to say that, say, when I've been in that particular uh, grocery store, I've told them, but, you know, if that was the convenient one at the moment, I don't know. Uh, Jim, do you have an answer for that in terms of the, I think black paper is also not recyclable. 
Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know about black paper. I, I certainly haven't heard that issue from our processors yet. But black plastic. So we actually are looking at banning black plastic right now and other types of plastic in the city. Um, as, as Joanne said, there are there are complications with trying to ban things. You know, in addition to what Joanne said, you know, once you put a ban in place, a ban is completely useless if you don't actually actively enforce it. So there's all the enforcement costs that go along with it. Um, but there's also looking at. You know, there, there may be a good reason why they're using black plastic. And, and we in the waste management industry tend to look at everything from a waste management perspective. But there could be broader sort of life cycle issues that have resulted in the use of black plastic and, and a very good reason for doing so. So we're actually looking into the whole black plastic issue right now to determine what is the best approach. Is it a ban? Is it a, is it a, uh, a fee that gets put on top of it, similar to, you know, the old five cents on a plastic bag fee? You know, looking at all the different arrangements to try and influence the behavior of these places who are putting problematic recycling materials into the marketplace. Okay. Um, Libby, can I comment? Uh, just very quickly, because we've oh, got to take okay. a break. Uh, if they can make white plastic, give an incentive. Uh, like, look at all the coffee, the paper cups with coffee that have black plastic lids. There, there are millions and millions of them each day. Yeah, I, I don't... Uh, okay, uh, Joyce, I'm going to let you go because I have a question for them right before we go to break on that. Thanks for your call. Uh, so those lids, right, if they have a residue of coffee, can they be recycled if they weren't black? Uh, yes, they, they can be recycled. What we'd prefer is to always rinse the lid or at least shake it out to get any of that liquid off of it so it doesn't get onto the paper. Okay, uh, we really have to take a, a break. Uh, the question was thrown out, should we recycle? Should we ban black plastic? Is that a good solution? And when we come back, we are going to take more of your calls and your questions about the very confusing world of recycling. Before we go, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740, and we'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are doing Recycling 2.0, hopefully answering questions about the ever-confusing world of recycling. I'm going to get right to the phones. We've got Stephen Markham. Hi, Steve. Hi, Libby, Libby. Uh, I walk a lot every day I, to, through several parks, okay? Why is it that a, a garbage truck comes over, he pulls the blue container and the black container, and they go in the same load? Uh, uh, our uh, panel, does anybody have an answer? I certainly they're don't. They're not divided. They're not divided. Well, I can maybe I can answer that. So certainly Markham is not in Toronto, so that's I'm not my jurisdiction. Not, but right. in, in Toronto, what I've instructed my collection guys to do is if they find a recycling bin that is full of garbage, to load it as garbage. Because we can't afford to send a really dirty, full of garbage recycling bin to the recycling facility because it destroys everything else that we'll collect and send there. So it may be that, or it may be a problem with the contractor. Either way, you should call the city of Markham and just let them know what you saw. Okay, not Steve. In Markham. Sorry? Sunnybrook Park is not in Markham. Oh, this was Sunnybrook Park? Uh, and, and Buffers Park. 
Okay, the well... Other, the other thing, by the bus stops, there are these containers with three different compartments, right? Yep. What the driver does is goes there, opens the doors, dumps all three into one and into the, into the garbage truck. So let's not blame the consumers. Let's not blame the consumers. Uh, Jim, is that because uh, they would have checked to see that they're uh, contaminated? Yes, that's that's what it is. And in fact, our parks bins and our our bins along the streets are by far the dirtiest bins that we collect. Typically, recycling is done very poorly in those areas. And and my guys know that if they see garbage that's been thrown into the recycling, throw that into the garbage. Please do not put it into the recycling because it's going to destroy the rest of the load that they just picked up. So what's the point of having it? The roof system, from from the Rouge River all the way to the... the, uh, uh, whatever they process the garbage, uh, the sewers. Same thing happens, blue and black, in the same truck, every day, every day. Okay, yeah, but that's because of, uh, as you've heard Jim say, because people people aren't respecting the differences. Steve, thanks for your call. So what's the point of having them like that if everybody ignores it? So uh, a number of years ago when those bins were installed, um, there was a different threshold for what was allowed in terms of contamination. With with the changes in China and in the global marketplace, that, that threshold has changed now. So what, what used to be acceptable years ago simply can't be accepted anymore. We're actually working with our transportation folks right now to look at those bins and the new ones that go out on the street, look at whether they should have the three holes in them or whether we just go to one hole and then where everything gets thrown in, and then take that to a facility that's actually designed to separate it out using technology rather than asking residents and, and the public and tourists to separate it out themselves. Because, to be honest, it's simply not working right now. Okay, well, um, you know, thank you, uh, Steve, for that call. That's very interesting. I uh, had no idea about that, but I've certainly seen people stick the wrong things in, in the wrong bins on the street. And sometimes, frankly, you're, you're lucky to find any bin at all. Uh, let's go to Diane in Toronto. Hi, Diane. Hi there, Libby. Um, thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. I have one, I have one question. Um, say I buy a package of meat, like a steak or a piece of chicken or whatever, and you know that when you open up the package, it's got that little film that the meat is resting on. I always just basically throw that in the garbage. And I, I don't know if I'm doing When I say garbage, I'm not talking about recycling. Am I doing the right thing? I, I think you are. Am, are, am I right? Uh, you mean the the film that goes over top of the meat? No, the film underneath. Oh, the film underneath? Yes, that should go into the garbage. And with me now, I'm very uh, conscientious about my recycling. I mean, I, I just washed out a jam jar today that was empty and two margarine containers. And anything like that, I wash out. And not everybody does that because I go down to the recycling in my beside my building and it, it smells. I don't think recycling should stink. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like we, we also have an organic spin, and I think people are throwing a lot of their organics into the garbage, into the uh, recycling. And I don't know because of ignorance or they're just too lazy or what's going on. Um, you know, so, um, and I when I take my recycling out, I don't put it in a plastic bag. I have a, uh, a Shoppers Drug Mart plastic bag. I throw everything in there and just empty it in, and I bring the bag back upstairs. Sounds like you're very responsible, Diane. Thanks for your I call. Try. Thanks for your call. It's appreciated. <laughs> uh, so, again, the, the styrofoam, right, when you buy meat, 
it's in a styrofoam thing. But those are garbage as well, right? Uh, the styrofoam in Toronto is collected as recycling, again, as long as it's not black. Uh, right, but uh, it has to be clean. I mean, if you've got meat juice yeah. or something on it. it. It has to be rinsed and clean, yeah. Uh, rinsing is enough because that doesn't really get rid of it, in my opinion, uh, but... Well, if if rinsing doesn't get it clean and there's still lots of material left on it, then I would suggest putting it in the garbage. Okay. It needs to be clean. Okay, let's hear from Helen in Toronto. Hi, Helen. Hi, I'm one of those two lazy people that the lady before was talking about. Uh, I have a question on light bulbs and batteries and all the other things that they ask us to take to a depot. Uh, being a lazy person, I wonder why a truck doesn't come around every three, four months, or every six months, and it's specifically designated for uh, the type of thing that is neither recyclable, uh, like um, air, uh, hairspray cans. What do you do with them? They explode if you put them in where anything is going to be burned. Maybe, maybe I can take a shot at answering Please? that one. Um, so these are these are really really important items to manage as carefully as you possibly can. I would argue almost at, uh, equally as important as what you do with your packaging in your blue box. And in fact, there there are provincial wide. There's a provincial wide program in Ontario called Orange Drop, uh, whereby you can uh, that will take actually these potential toxic or hazardous materials in these kinds of containers. So I think it's orangedrop.com if you if you have a chance to, to get in front of your computer. Um, there are also services, and, and th- those are sometimes drop-offs, those are sometimes pickups, and uh, that's paid for by the industries that are putting those products onto the marketplace. Um, and there are municipalities, and I think Jim can speak to this specifically, that actually offer uh, door-to-door pickup of these hazardous uh, um, products as well, and uh, they're not uh, as every week or every day that we are used to seeing with our blue box programs. But in fact, municipalities do a pretty good job of opening up depots, drop-off centers, and sometimes door-to-door pickups of these these materials as well. So I encourage you, wherever it is that you live, to to get to know what your municipality is doing with uh, with these products. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Helen, for your call. Thank you. Bye. Okay, uh, just to wrap things up, uh, Jim, what would you like to leave us with on this? Well, I think for any of your listeners right now, like I said, our three biggest problems are food waste that ends up in the recycling. So take that extra minute to rinse out that container and make sure that there isn't any organic waste in it. Please don't put clothing in the recycling. It doesn't belong there. There's lots of other places that will take clothing. And and finally, just don't throw garbage into the recycling. It's It's kind of as simple as that. Okay, and Joanne? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, thank you to all the, the, the folks that are calling in. Obviously, this is a, a subject that's near and dear to their hearts, and it's important, and that's really, really encouraging. I think people are getting to this level of, of conversation. It matters to them, and it means that they're taking action, and that's really important. Um, but I would sort of sort of couch it in, in, in saying two things. Absolutely get to know the programs that your municipalities are offering you and participate fully and, and properly in them, as Jim has, has, has suggested. But the other piece to this is understand as a consumer what choices you might have and really, as they say, vote with your dollar. So demonstrate to the industry that you expect more, that you want better products. Um, and that, uh, you know, you're prepared to invest in them when you when you go go to purchase them. So um, so it would be those two items. 
Okay. Well, uh, this was certainly educational for me. I think I understand it a little bit better now. And thank you so much to Joanne St. Godard and Jim McKay. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.